Welcome to the Shopway Show. So happy that you guys are joining me this evening. It's amazing to have you here. I appreciate you giving me a few moments of your evening. And yes, I'm here. There are so many things going on this evening. Um, I shouldn't say this evening. Just in general going on all over the place. So many things that uh, around the world. Protests, people angry, um, all over the place. And the question is, you know, are they linked? Are they not linked? Is this a turning point for either us or the world or any of those things? And I think some people are asking questions about that. And they're, they're interesting questions, and we should probably consider them. But I want to bring up several of them. The first one, which so many people are talking about, is Cuba. I'm going to bring up a bunch. I'm going to bring up Cuba, Haiti, Afghanistan, South Africa. Uh, hold on. Um, sorry about that. Um, Lebanon, just like a bunch. Iraq, Ethiopia, Eritrea, there's tons. It's all, all kind of stuff is happening. So uh, I want to bring up Cuba first, if I could. Now, people are asking, well, Cuba, you know, this is proof that socialism doesn't work, right? There are many other reasons why I'm not a socialist. This is not proof that socialism doesn't work. This is proof that <laughs> governments don't work, right? I mean, that's what this is proof of, right? So, but just to be fair, I do want to be fair. There are several things that people don't understand that's happening in, in Cuba. If you go back about six months ago or so, most people who were pro-socialism or pro-Cuba were saying things like, Cuba has a great, you know, system and Cuba has created uh, these, these, its own vaccine and Cuba's doing all these great things. And when you consider what Cuba is going through, it's not bad. It really isn't to be forward. I mean, to give Cuba some, and Cuban people some credit, it's not bad. But what has devastated them is economics. That's the issue. So people are screaming, yelling, saying, well, it's because the people don't want socialism. Or another part will go, well, it's the people don't want the dictatorship. I hear that also. They want freedom. And I'm going to tell you the truth, what the people actually want. Yeah, I know. Yes, I'm telling you, I know what they want. I am making that statement right now. They just want good lives. How do I know that? That's what everybody wants. So the Cuban people don't necessarily not like socialism, don't necessarily not want a dictatorship. I mean, some of them do because they want better lives. It's what I talk about all the time. They want to be happy. That's what they want. And the current system isn't working. Why? Because dictatorships mean an evil? Maybe, but no. I mean, but, but no. It's because the tourism industry has crashed by about 90% over the past year and a half. Why? Government shutdowns. Would that have mattered if they were socialist or if they were, uh, you know, capitalist? Well, if I was their, their, their president, yeah, it would be different because I would have treated it better. But as, unless a libertarian would have been in charge, no, it wouldn't matter. If any standard, you, you know, American or any standard world government would have been in charge of Cuba, Cuba would have been screwed regardless because they weren't thinking like they should have been thinking. When your tourist industry gets trashed by 90%, that's one of your biggest industries. Yeah, you start feeling it. But something else, what we're doing to Cuba. Yes, I mean the United States. And I mean you. I mean us as a country, what we're doing to, to Cuba. Our embargo. And you might go, well, Larry. And I, know, I hear this all the time. Larry, our embargo can't be that bad. I mean, the rest of the world trades with Cuba, so it can't be that bad. Well, it is for one important reason. What happens when your economy shuts down? You've got to borrow money. You need foreign funds. That's what happens for governments. We just make money magic through our central bank, right? Because the dollar is a reserve currency. We can do what the hell we want to do, right? Cuba can't do that. So you know what happens to Cuba? Because we're san sanctioning it. You may or may not know this, but I forgot the number. It's over 50% of all foreign invoices, international invoices, are in dollars. You want to make a currency exchange? About 75, 80% of those exchanges have to go through dollars. Canada is going to Cuba. So our banking system has destroyed them on top of it. We could just leave them alone. That's what I keep saying. People keep saying, attack, leave Cuba alone. And at least, we, at least it wouldn't be as bad as it is. 
Cuba was going to be bad no matter what because of the, of the government shutdowns. But it's worse because of our sanctions. And the people in Cuba, the average person on the street, doesn't actually care. Yep, I'm going to say it. They don't. Act, they're not. They're not like I need to make sure the banking system works. They don't care about that. They just want to have good lives. That's it. They want to have a decent career or job, decent family or loved ones, decent uh, ways of enjoying their lives and social structures. That's all they want. If Castro was giving them that, they'd have you know brought Castro back from the grave. They don't care. Whatever would have given them that. That's what looking for. That's what they. What's important. And that's the problem now. And people are going to say, well, it's because COVID. That's the issue. It's because COVID. Well, COVID's affecting them. That's true. But COVID affects the entire world. And they aren't all up in arms. But a lot of them are up in arms. Because the second piece, that's a third piece that's also affecting them. Our economy. What's a big chunk of Cuba's economy? U.S. dollar remittances. Right? People throw money back into Cuba. Yeah. Also gone, trash because of our economy. Their economy shrank 11% in one year. Imagine happening in America. Oh my God. So that's bad. Showing that our silly sanctions have just made things worse. The government lockdowns just made things worse. This is is what is hurting Cuba right now more than anything. Horrible. So yes. Yeah. All right. Let me keep going here. Um, Tom says, yeah, right. Crickets are louder than the progressives when it comes to liberty Cubans beaten by police. Yeah. Cuba needs a helping hand. They deserve it. I agree, Susan. We should stop. The worst part is we're not just not giving them a helping hand. We're actively punching them. Right. At a minimum, Susan, let's stop punching them. Let's go there first. Right. Let's stop punching them. Then allow for the massive, and there is a huge Cuban population in America, allow the Cuban population in America to support their brothers and sisters and cousins and uncles and family members in Cuba. And they want to. They actively want to. So how about we stop doing that? We stop fighting them and things will change. Tom says, when does the VP tell us they are protesting because of the climate change? That's that's next week. That's on the schedule, Tom. Next week. Yes. So, yeah. But so the number one issue, there are many of them. Number one is without question, it's going to be the economy, which is government shutdowns, lack of tourism. That's what is, is really got them in the streets. Haiti. Haiti was in trouble again before this. Uh, Cuba was in better position than Haiti was. Haiti was already broken. Right. Haiti is is what, what shot them over the top was their president. Moise, Moise, I think I'm saying it right. Moise, I think, was assassinated. Now, it was a hit squad that got him. And I say, wow, it's a terrible hit squad. This guy, he's, he's Haitians having a some kind of civil war. Yeah, in theory, except it wasn't the Haitians who killed him. The hit squad was comprised of Haitian Americans and Colombians and a bunch of them that were FBI informants and DEA informants. And I'm not making that up. The DEA's admitted, yeah, yeah, these guys were were informants. The CIs, the confidential informant class of people in America, oh my God, the FBI, DEA, all these, all these, they, they've created a group of people who can basically whatever they want. They get immunity and then they just go out and do crazy stuff. I, I don't, and then they make up crimes and now they're assassinating people. And, and I'm not making, they're legally assassinating people. But here's the worst part. If you didn't see what happened, the president there was not a good president. He was a guy who didn't, he didn't, he wanted no elections. He's like, there's no elections and I'm just the president cuz and I'll put in who I want to put in. That's who he was. So he was corrupt too, no doubt. So already Haiti was unhappy. People were fighting in the streets already. But with that, now these guys want to assassinate him. So this is on, this is recorded. You can watch it if you want to. It's recorded. The, the hit squad to get him is yelling, this is a DEA operation, stand down. This is a DEA operation, stand down. They're yelling that. Well, again, if you're just, I don't know, some guy in, say, I don't know, Poland, or you're some leader in, say, Belarus, or you're some leader in, uh, I don't know, some other country, whatever the case, Italy, you're not going to think, oh, DEA? Of course, that's a normal thing. 
I'll just stand down. Of course you wouldn't think that. You'd be like, I don't care if you're DEA. Get out of my presidential palace. Open fire. That's what you would do. We're being attacked. Open fire. His guys actually, they stood down. They were like, oh, it's DEA. And they stood down. Two questions. One, why are you so comfortable with DEA agents that as soon as someone says, you go, oh, of course that's true. How common are DEA raids in Haiti that you say in English? And of course, Haitians speak Creole. So you say it in English and they're like, oh, yeah, another day, another DEA raid in my country, whatevs. That's what actually happened. So they stood down. There was hardly a firefighter at all. And then they killed the guys. And the people who killed them were DEA informants and Haitian Americans as translators. The DEA do it? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying the DEA did this. I'm not saying that because we supported this guy. This guy who was a terrible dictator, we backed him because he was our dictator, which is what we do again and again and again. Wait a minute. So American foreign policy in Cuba, sanctions and embargoes made things worse. And now American foreign policy in Haiti with our silly, unnecessary war on drugs for no reason whatsoever putting our American troops in other people's countries so commonly that the president's personal bodyguard, when they heard it, stood down. So our terrible war on drugs and our policy of backing dictators didn't work, made things worse? What? Yeah, you see a pattern? Me too. But the funny part is people insult me for my foreign policy ideas. Yet this is what we get. Two in a row. Bad. Oh, I'm, I'm still not done. Afghanistan. Now the Afghani Taliban, they're shooting people. Anybody. They're also shooting the Afghani people that we trained, the special forces we trained. They're killing them too. Shooting them. They don't trust them. So they're shooting them. They surrender, right? They get surrounded because we're not helping you anymore. So we're walking out, right? So they surrender, then they get shot. So Larry, that means that's that proves, Larry, that proves that your foreign policy is wrong. We have to stay in Afghanistan so to make sure that will work. That's the first thing I'm going to hear. See that? We got to stay in Afghanistan because we got we to gotta save these people and all this kind of good stuff, right? Or or we could have never gotten Afghanistan in the first place and those guys are going to die because of us. And I don't mean you, John. I don't mean you. I don't mean me. I mean our government. We got involved and all those people are dying because of us. But Larry, you don't understand, Larry. We had to stay in Afghanistan so that there'll be no more, you know, uh, terrorist training camps. Okay, maybe there were none in Afghanistan now. I don't know, but maybe they aren't. So there's someplace else? Did we stop terrorism now? Did it work? And now we're leaving after 20 years in Afghanistan. 20 years in Afghanistan. We're going to leave, and they're still going to tell them on. But here's the worst part. Why are the Taliban on the offensive now? Why now? You might say, well, Larry, because we're leaving. No, no, we're going to be gone in two months. Now, I want you to think about something. Anybody who's thinking about this, if you're a former military person or you study military history or you know military tactics, think about this. The people are leaving, right? The people are leaving. Your enemy's leaving. And it's going to be easy pickings for you. And you know they're leaving. You're watching them leave. Like, you know it's true. They've announced it to the world. You're watching them leave. Why wouldn't you just wait until they leave? Why would you, why would you take any chances of hurting your own soldiers, losing your own soldiers? I mean, you just wait till America's totally gone. And that's what wipe through things. So the Vietnamese did. The Vietnamese did that. They waited. Oh, America's leaving them. Just wait. Are you gone? Boom. And we come. Take Saigon. They did that. Why? Because the Vietnamese didn't actually want us in their country. They were like, good, get out, bye. But the Taliban, they don't mind us in their country. It is an amazing recruiting tool. They can blame every failure on us. Not just that. They're backed by Russians and Chinese. That's who gives them weapons and sells them weapons. So what do the Russians and Chinese want? Yeah, they like us to stay in Afghanistan forever until we're destroyed. That's why. Because 
That's a bad idea also. So, Larry, are you saying that we should just leave Afghanistan? Yes, I'm saying just leave Afghanistan. But, Larry, people will die when we leave. They're dying now, and they're going to die whenever we leave. Afghanistan has to fix itself in the way it wants to be fixed. And guess what? Before we got to Afghanistan, maybe it didn't want to be fixed. Maybe it didn't want to be fixed. So who are we to go fix a place that doesn't want to be fixed? Maybe we don't want to fix them. So yet again, our foreign policy makes things worse. Makes it worse, not better. I'm not saying that if we're not there, things are are great. They may be bad, but we have clearly made them worse. That's the point I keep bringing up. So let me grab a couple of these if I can. Uh, Ryan says they have great classic cars, though. Cuba does. That's true. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. Um, hold on. John, Moore, John says, we have people traveling on makeshift rafts to the rough shark-infested waters of Buna Triangle to escape universal health care, free college, and socialism. John, well done. That's very good. That is very good. Yes. Susan said, we should have never been there regarding Afghanistan. 100%. We should have gone in, gone for, for, for Osama, and then left. That should have been it. Absolutely. Yes. Kelly says, we've been there 20 years. How much more time do they need? Yeah. Tom says, no nation building. Absolutely. Nate says, Larry, it's dishonest to say there's no reason for the war on drugs. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Let, let me let me clarify my statement. It's, it's, you, you're nitpicking me, Nate, but you have a valid point. He says, it's obviously it's a war to control the market, food, fuel, fiber, medicine. Okay. It's not the reason they tell us, number one. And two, it's not, a, it's not the moral reason they pretend it to be. How about that? Is, that? is that a more clarifying statement? There's no moral reason like they act, right? It's against what they're saying. How about that? Maybe it's a better one. There we go. So Ed says, I was in Afghanistan in 2011. Doesn't offend me a bit. We wasted blood, sweat, and tears there. Those people will never adapt to our way. And they shouldn't unless they want to, Ed. If they want to copy America, we should assist them in any way if they want to copy America. Awesome. They don't want to copy America, just as good. They should follow their way the way they want to. John said, Taliban's main recruiting point was Americans in Afghanistan, 100%. And if the the most recent uh, attack, there was actually some communication problems, meaning people couldn't understand each other. And and that's one of the reasons why there might have been extra death when there shouldn't have been extra death. You say, well, wait a minute. Why is there a communication problem? I mean, I know there's multiple languages in Afghanistan, but they all understand each other, right? Foreign fighters. That's why. There are so, to your point, John, there are so many foreign fighters coming in to fight Americans. They're traveling to come kill us in Afghanistan because we're there. It's a recruiting tool. You're totally right. Why do they never run out of people? They just keep recruiting them. They keep getting young men from some other place and they come there. They're literally having communication problems because of so many foreign fighters. You're totally correct. Yes. Kelly says you cannot gift democracy. It must be bought with blood. If Afghanistan is not willing to fight and die for democracy, there is no more the U.S. can do. Yes, or the population's ready for it. Right? One or the other. Right? Canada became a country through peace. We became a country through war. Both are the right answer. One was right for Canada. One was right for us. Both are right. I think we should do whatever. They should do what they feel, right? They should do what they feel is right for their country. That's all I'm saying. I hope that they have a pe- there There's going to be violence clearly next year. I hope they have whatever the violence is, or it's as small as possible. And I hope to go back to stability, whatever that stability is. Then they can grow from there. That's what I'm saying. Then they can grow from there. So my son was a U.S. Marine in the two tours in Afghanistan, and now he's feeling incredible anger against what he did there. It feels like a worthless cause. Yes, absolutely. Susan says, their country, their biz. Yes, 100%. I know people think I'm nuts when I say that, but it, it just sees, it sees how much we make things worse again and again and again. So let me move to the next one if I could. I went to Afghanistan. Um, I want to now go, if I could, to South Africa. South Africa, also, all kind of problems. Looting, um, violence in the streets, the military is called out in the street. 
all this at the same time. And that's because this uh, th- their former, I think they they have a president. I believe they don't have a prime minister. They have a president, former president. He was a he was from the Zulu. That's what he was from the Zulu. Uh, his name was Zuma, and he's now I guess arrested or or charged with corruption, whatever the case may be. And the Zulus got mad, right? And they all pissed off. They're all angry and mad, and they're ready to ready to fight. But it isn't just the Zulus. There is there's a serious problem in, in South Africa. You might think, well, wait a minute, Larry. If if it's a black and white thing that pe- people are saying, they're saying, well, it's, it's a black population against the white population, then it should be easy for the black population to win. There's so many more black South Africans than there are white South Africans. Now about that. So economics again. What? It is. Because since apartheid ended, there's been a group of black South Africans who are doing quite well. They took some. Diff- they, they got, took advantage of, of the different policies and issues, and some of them are doing very well. Not all, obviously, but some are. Some are doing very well. That group of people is like, stop bombing! Don't, don't, don't do this bad stuff. Stop. But the problem is, there's a wealth gap still. Yeah, a wealth gap still. Now you ask the former president, De Klerk, I think was his name. If I got that right, D E K L E R K. He did an interview years back, and he was talking about um, how the sanctions that we had were terrible in growing the black middle class. They, they, it hurt the, the black middle class, the, mo, mo, the black poor and the black poor middle class more than, every, more than uh, anything is our sanctions against them. And it slowed their growth. And when asked, and this was after he was president, he could have said whatever he wanted to say. He was already gone. He was already a civilian already. He said, oh, no, we didn't change because of the sanctions. That's what he said, at least. You can believe what you want to believe. He said, we changed because the black middle class is becoming too powerful for us. So we had to make it. They were demanding change. And so eventually we just just couldn't handle them. We were afraid of violence. And we just said, all right, fine. You win. We're going to change. We're going to turn. But you got to turn good. Don't kill us all. We got to be a good turn. And the black middle class said, we don't want violence. Because we're doing well. So we'll make a deal, right? We'll make a deal to bring our country forward. No violence because we don't want to lose what we got. We're doing well. Now, I know that sounds totally selfish. And it is. And it's human. And it's normal. You hear me say all the time, you want a decent democracy? Big middle class. The stronger your middle class, the stronger your entrepreneur class, the stronger your small business class, the, sm- the stronger you have that in a nation, the stronger democracy you'll have. Guaranteed. The stronger that group of people is in your nation, the stronger democracy you will have. The more you have this, the weaker your democracy. Our sanctions slowed the growth of the black middle class. There aren't enough black middle class in South Africa. Too many people are still poor. To where now, I don't know if you've heard this, one of the reasons what has happened also is, now, the new people who are running for president now are saying, you know what we should do? We got to stop taking white people's land. Just take it. And they've done that before, but there was an agreement they made in the past that if they take the land, that they have to give the, the white landowners something in return, right? They've got to pay them something for it. They got to say, yep, you took it, but here it is. And with that, a lot of white farmers have actually agreed to this. Volunteers, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that plan. Let me do that. I will give my land, I'll take the cash. And then with the cash, and this has happened more than once, they then invest in the black-owned farm, assist them as a consultant, and get retirement money. They're happy, black farmers happy, everybody's happy. He basically sells his farm off. The government pays him a little bit, so the, the farmer doesn't pay, right? The, the black farmer does not pay, the government pays. And that's the deal they made. So the government pays the white guy some cash for his farm. He says, thank you. He invests some of it into the black-owned farm, which used to be his farm. He knows it. He consults the black farmer to make money. He gets a cut as he retires. I mean, as far as, as deals go, not a bad deal, right? Not a bad deal. But now in South Africa, they're going, I don't know. We're just taking your stuff. And the white guy's like, what? Yeah, we're just taking it. So why do the black people care? Why would black people, good, take all their land, right? The black middle class isn't like that. Why? Because they're looking for investment. And they're not going to get white investment if the government's seizing land. 
So the black middle class is like, no, don't take the white people's land. You got to give money or something. If you don't do that, no one's going to invest here. And I can't grow my business. And I want to go from being black middle class to being black wealthy in South Africa. I can't do that. I'm unhappy. So the black middle class is not about this. I know, sounds crazy. Why do I say this? Because again, it's economics. Economics. I mean, Cuba has massive now poverty. Haiti has like a 60% poverty rate, something like that. Afghanistan, I mean, it's like 80% um, uh, a poverty rate. It's, it's terrible. Poverty. Gandhi said it. I'm going to misquote him, but you'll get the idea. It, it, what did Gandhi say? Uh, poverty is the most is the cruelest form of violence. Right? And maybe it's an exaggeration, but you get my point. On a massive scale, that's what gets people out. That's what makes people start looting and going crazy and, and scared of all of this. It is it is terrible. So let me grab a couple more comments. You guys are doing a bunch of comments. I, I appreciate it. Let me go through some of these if I can. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see. Joe says, I wonder if it was a coincidence we have an opioid epidemic after invaded Afghanistan. Um, I don't, they're probably connected, but they're, but not like that, right? Um, more, of course, drugs are coming in from Afghanistan since we made it. That's true. But the opioid epidemic hit us hardest after the crash 2008. That is when it hit us hardest. I mean, it's been hitting us for a while, but that's when it really smashed us. And we invaded Afghanistan in 2001 and Iraq 2003. So, yeah. That's connected, but not not that way. So Missy says, please help support. Yes, you can. You can support for free. Just like, subscribe, comment, share, do all those cool things. It does matter, please. And of course, you know what I'm asking you to do. Take the world's smallest political quiz. If what I'm saying makes sense to you, but you didn't think you were thinking that way, but now it's starting to make sense, do me a favor. Take the world's smallest political quiz. It might show you that you're more libertarian than you think. And if you've taken it before, do me a favor then, share it with others. It does matter. My sponsors love it. I love it. Please do that. It helps us tremendously. So grab some more comments if I could. Thank you about that, Missy. So, all right, let me keep going here if I could. Uh, Dave says, to sort of borrow a quote from Full Metal Jacket, get with the program, Larry. Don't you know inside every Afghan is the American screaming to get out? <laughs> Nicely done, Dave. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, I, 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 don't think there's an American screaming to get out. I think inside every, every Afghan is another person who wants the best life they can have. That's what I think. I think that's what they really want. And if that's the American way, good for them. And if it's not, also good for them. I'm not against them picking up any new ideas and concepts, but it's theirs. So, yes. Gregory says, happy birthday, Larry. I chipped into your campaign. Let's get this thing rocking roll. Thank you, my friend, Greg. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. My birthday was uh, now two days ago. Yes, thank you. Uh, John says, how about we mind our business for once and stop trying to control the world? That would be nice. I'm with you, John. Many foreign policy disasters like the war on terror have been made, yet the authoritarians don't want from history. And we keep getting authoritarians. Do you know what's a common denominator between Cuba, um, Haiti, Afghanistan and South Africa, all of them we either have now or have had sanctions against them. Every one of them. Sanctions or embargoes. In fact, we still have many, obviously, against Cuba, still have many against Afghanistan. We might have some against Haiti. I'm, I'm unsure about that. Ooh, I have a list somewhere I'll check. Um, and we had, we had many, obviously, against South Africa. So, yeah, our economic warfare. Has that worked out so far? Nothing but a loss. Nothing but a loss. Yes. So John said, we've been sold on American intervention being humanitarian and necessary for our security. No. The point of view for much of the world is evil imperialism from the U.S. Yes, I, I never forget there was a there was an um, interview. Some Middle Eastern freedom fighter type guy. I don't remember what it was, but he said. He said, you know, we like American movies, right? We like Star Wars just like you do. But Americans think they're the rebels. We see America as the empire. We're the rebels. It's a whole different way um, that they look at it. Absolutely. Torrance says, was Zuma the one calling for white genocide? Torrance, I don't remember. Mm, wait a minute. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I think he was the one. And right. That's why he got ousted. 
And then the, the new guy who came in, I've forgotten his name. Their new president, I've actually forgotten his name. He initially said, no white genocide, no white taking of land. Then this happened. He was like, did I say no white taking of land? It's not what I meant. I was kidding. Of course I take white people's land. So the new president was supposed to be much more of a no white genocide, no white sting of land. He's still not in the white genocide part, but he did go back to the, well, maybe we do a little bit of stealing. He totally backed off because he's worried that his country is falling apart. And of course, the problem is instead of instead of us, when a country gives us violence, instead of us acting accordingly, we immediately just start doing, that's it. Let's just crack down more and more and more. Just terrible. Yes. So anyway, yes. Let, let, me, let me go to the next one if I could. Um, Lebanon. Lebanon is also massive problems. 70, 80% poverty rate now in Lebanon. In Lebanon, I, I don't, do we think of Lebanon as always being a terrible, poor place? I don't, I don't always think of it being that way. I would thought of, thought of it being, you know, like the, the French Riviera, right, of, of the Middle East type place. Beirut was supposed to be a better place, and but no, it's been fighting back and forth. But the problem with Beirut now is inflation's terrible, corruption's terrible, power outages everywhere. Economy is broken. The C- Syrian civil war is blood over the the, um, the wars in Israel have blood over to them also. So they're war torn, and they're that big port that exploded, the big bomb in their port, trashed their port, trashed their cities. So they're out there fighting, and of course, people say, people said, well, you know, it's because of climate change and water rights, which I'm sure that's a part. That's that is a part. That's true. I'm in Levant that's in trouble with water. Yes, that's that's a problem. And they've had war, they're war-torn. That's a problem. But what's the biggest problem? 70% poverty. People don't know where they're going to eat. They don't have power. They literally don't have electricity every day. That's how they're living. That's why they're out in the streets. That's why they're fighting. That's why they're, they've got to put the police on the, on the street all the time. That's the reason why. It falls back again into economics. And what's happening next to them that's so bad? The Syrian war. The Syrian civil war, you can give me 80,000 reasons why it started. And there's many of them. But what's the biggest thing that started to be as bad as it is now? Our intervention in Iraq. Us destabilizing Iraq is the reason why the Syrian civil war has gotten the way it has gone. And it's why there's four, five, six different factions fighting in it. That we're backing half of them who are fighting the other and fighting each other. We don't even know what the hell we're doing in the Syrian civil war. The Russians came in instead of bombing people, all because we got involved. We made it worse. Am I saying, Larry, so you're saying there'd be no Syrian civil war without us? I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that. I don't know if there would have been one. What I'm saying is we made it worse because of because of us, Al-Qaeda was fighting there. Because of us, ISIS was fighting there. Because of us. The Kurds are fighting there because of us. The Turks are fighting there. The Russians are fighting there. The Syrians are fighting there. The Syrian Free Army is fighting there. Yeah, they're all fighting there because we got involved. Or we could have just left it alone. And there might have been a, a, a chance to overthrow Assad or not. I don't know. But let's say there was no chance to overthrow Assad and Assad would still be in charge. Let's say that's true, that it wouldn't have happened. Okay. Assad's in charge now. Backed by the Russians, he's going to stay in charge. He's going to get his entire country back. Except now there's going to be, what is it, 400, 500,000 refugees now? Something like that. Another, was it 500,000 dead? I mean, some insane numbers like that. Or is it over a million dead? I've I've actually forgotten how many were killed in in the Syrian civil war already. But for sure, six figures, if not seven figures of people already dead in in the Syrian civil war and half million refugees. If he was in charge now, it might still be a brutal dictatorship. But what I can promise you, I'm sure that he would not have in his dictatorship displaced 500,000 Syrians and killed a million. That he wouldn't have done. That he would not. So it's worse because of us. I want to be clear. I'm not saying it would be great if we weren't there. Nope. I'm saying that we made it worse. Worse in Syria, worse in Lebanon, worse in Iraq. We made it worse because guess what's happening? Iraq is also having trouble. Yes, it is. Iraq is also having problems. And one of their problems, of course, also is 
COVID, yep. But also civil war, yep, because they're still getting the bleed, bleed over from Syria. So they're still bleeding over. And they're still fighting their own civil war internally with the Iranians trying to take charge, us trying to take charge, us backing people. How'd that work for us? We've been in Iraq in some way, shape, or form for about 30 years. 30 years we've been somehow in Iraq, in Iraq and it's a disaster. Well, Larry, didn't we take, want to take out Saddam Hussein? Could he have done worse than us? Could he have destroyed his country, his nation, the Middle East, worse than us? I would argue no. Why? He fought a war, an eight-year war against Iran. And most Americans didn't even know it. Most Americans didn't even know that he fought an eight-year war against Iran. How destabilized was it? So how worse? How much worse could Saddam have been? Again, not saying Saddam was great at all. I'm going back to my same thing I keep saying. We made it worse, however bad it was going to be. And now we put our nose in. Now we put our nose in. And once you put American noses in there, we're the Westerners, we're the foreigners, and now our nose goes in there. And what does the what does one bad dictator need to do? I'll protect you against the foreigners. I'll protect you against the imperialist Americans. You might say that sounds stupid. No, that's the rallying cry that works again and again and again. It keeps working. This is why our nation building doesn't work. It hasn't worked since World War II. And every time I talk about this, people always say, what about Germany and Japan? Okay, great. We had a success 80 years ago. How long ago? 80 years ago? 80 years ago. So now that uh, that means we should now start invading countries in the like next 75 years without a declaration of war? And Germany bombed us. Okay, I'm in. We got that one. What about the rest? Larry, Afghanis bombed us. No, the Saudis did. Right? Wasn't what, out of 1918 were Saudis or something like that? And a bunch were like Egyptian? So we invaded Saudi Arabia and Egypt? No, we invaded Afghanistan and Iraq. So at least if we had invaded Saudi Arabia and Egypt, it would make kind of sense. I, I still wouldn't have won it, but at least that makes some sense. We invaded Afghanistan and Iraq when the Saudis and Egyptians bombed us in 9-11. That's what we did. So Lebanon is a disaster. The Lebanese currency has lost 90% of its value. How are you going to buy stuff? How are you going to survive? How are you going to survive? Well, Larry, they need freedom. I agree. They need freedom. But it doesn't matter what I think. I'm not Lebanese. If they ask me, I will tell them. But I haven't had any Lebanese people ask me. But if they ask me, I will tell them. You need freedom. I'm, I agree. They need freedom. But until they ask me, maybe my opinion doesn't matter so much to Lebanese. I'm American. And that makes me nationalistic. Okay, guilty as charged. Whatever. Guilty as charged. I, I accept that. But they should have their own country the way they want. And they want good lives. And if that means that they stay under Assad, if they're Syrian or under Saddam Hussein, too late, uh, under Iraq, or whatever, then they choose that or they don't. And they'll choose civil war when they choose civil war, if they choose civil war, or maybe there'll be a peaceful transition. They will choose. I, I can't, I have to keep saying that. Yes. So let me keep going here. As I recall, we used to support Assad. Yeah, we did. 100%. He was our guy. Yes, absolutely. Dave says, if Assad goes, a bunch of Christians were killed. Assad is bad, but there are people who are worse. Um, what uh, Assad is bad. I think that's true. But your point's a valid one. As far as dictators go in this world, Assad was a, a mediocre, bad dictator. That's still bad, but there's, but he's a dictator, right? I mean, are there good dictators? I don't think there are. Can you think of one? Maybe. I don't know. I guess in theory, there could be a good dictator. In theory. But I, don't, I can't remember one. I mean, if someone will tell me, I'm happy to hear it. But as far as dictators go, they're all bad. But on a scale of, of, of horribleness, you're right. He's mediocre. He's a, me he's a mediocre bad dictator. So, yeah, I agree. And again, even if he isn't, isn't it the Syrians' job to get rid of him? I would think that. So, 
Yes, absolutely. So, all right. Um, Logic says, not sure we're going to get our country back. I just see it getting worse. It is what it is. I, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. I still have hope. I do. I still have hope. Joseph says, I saw you mean that the Pentagon is funding militias in Syria that are fighting militias the CIA is funding. U.S. taxpayer. What? Yes, it's correct. There's about six or seven factions fighting in Syria, and there's not just two sides. So they're fighting each other, and we're supporting more than one of them. So yes, we are literally we are literally supporting each other, fighting each other. Correct. Yes. And then Joe goes on to say, most Americans can't even point a rock or ride on a map. Also true. Yes. So anyway, let me see if I can do this one. Uh, Gray says, I still love that picture of, of Rumsfeld with Saddam Hussein. Yes, because he was our guy when he was fighting Iran. Remember that? We didn't care. He was fighting Iran. We were happy he was fighting Iran. Right? Remember, we were selling weapons to both sides. Reagan was selling weapons to both sides on that one. And he, people got mad at him for it. But I thought that was destabilization. So I guess that destabilization was okay. Yeah. 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 Dave says, some Lebanese don't want freedom. Some Lebanese want Sharia. Um, I agree. I think you're right. And... Not that I like Sharia law or want Sharia law, Dave, but it's still their country. Look at Saudi Arabia. We support Saudi Arabia. They are they are our they are our one of our closest allies in in the area, and Saudi Arabia is as close to Sharia law as any modern nation can be. Right? There are other nations. Afghanistan has its own form, but Afghanistan isn't really a modern nation in many ways. I mean, militarily, I guess they are because we've been fighting there for the last I don't know how many years, but. Right? I mean, pretty close. That shouldn't be... Let them. Um, Our foreign policy almost always, says John, makes things worse. Not just for us, but the countries we mess with. Yes. For us too, right? For the soldiers, Marines, sailors, and that we bring home who are broken in some way. For the families of those who are killed. Uh, for the money we spent. Think about it, we spent... I have people... Tell me all the time, Larry, we can't leave Afghanistan. It's a dumb idea. We got to stay there and, and support the Afghani women and support the Afghan people. Don't you care about them? I do. I do. And if we want to help them, then let's have a then let's be fair when it comes to the people who fought with us and give them better chance of coming back here uh, with asylum. How about that? Letting them come to emigrate. The people who are fighting with us, better chance. We did it after Vietnam. When we left Vietnam, all the collaborators, the collaborators, we, we let a lot of them come back to our country. Let's do that instead, right? That's better because we've spent, and this, maybe, maybe I don't know this, particularly those who are war hawks. Every time that we invade like that or do something like that, our military members get shot and killed and, and bombed and attacked. And there's people who die. We lost, what, 2,500? Is that about right? I've, I forgot my numbers. We lost about 2,500 people in Afghanistan in the past 20 years, right? And that's dead, plus over 20,000 wounded, physically wounded, loss of arms, legs, eyes, took shrapnel, whatever the case may be, plus who knows how many mental. I mean, at least that amount mental. So you means you've got, give or take, thirty to 40,000 American families hurt, if not devastated, but surely hurt, if not devastated, of the past 20 years. For what? Well, they attacked us on 9-11. Okay, well, they didn't, but fine. So they did. We lost about 3,000 Americans in that. We lost about 3,000 Americans in Afghanistan, too, fighting that war. Do those soldiers, sailors, Marines, airmen not count? Are they not Americans? Plus the twenty to 30,000 wounded? Loss of arms, legs, TBI, PTSD, they don't count. They don't count. We lost, if you count casualties, wounded 10 times more in Afghanistan. And spend a trillion dollars. A trillion dollars. How about the people saying, oh, we want Medicare for all. We want new infrastructure. We want bailout packages. Okay, then don't spend a trillion dollars on a war. And maybe you'd have some money and we wouldn't be so much in debt. He continues, I miss Ron Paul on debate stage having the guts to tell the, all the warmongers they're wrong. Yes, I agree with you. Yes, so true. So true. So, uh, yes, don't forget, guys. Thank you. My team is posting. Don't forget to listen to the sharp way 
on Anchor Podcast. If you, if you look at the description, there is a link in the description. It's a link tree. Click on that. Podcasts are there. TikTok account is there. Um, the Shotway Clips, you want to take some of the clips off and put them someplace else. All of them are there. So, yeah, please. Yes, go ahead. They're all dictators. Nate, you are like busting my stones on the, okay, yes. But you know what I mean. You're right. But you know where I was going with the nuance. Nate, Mr. Mm. All right, yes. But, yes. Ryan says, yes, the mental justice complex is the biggest slice of the corporatocracy. Yes, it is. Absolutely. That is a huge part. It's very important. Yes. So, Torrance says, why is Saudi Arabia our ally? Even after 9-11 and their authoritarian government. You're right. In theory, they shouldn't be our ally. They shouldn't be. But they are. Yes. They shouldn't be, but they are, right? 9-11 and they're authoritarian. And they're as close to Sharia as possible. That's Dave talking about. Yeah. And they're like, yep, let's be their ally. Logic says, hope is relative, Larry. At the moment, I have hope, but very little. Probably the biggest issue for me is the seemingly impossible task of getting the debt under control, especially due to rampant inflation. All right, let me touch both of those if I could. Most people aren't paying attention to this, and you're right. I'm surprised Pete isn't in. Pete, every every time he comes in, Pete jumps in and goes, $28 trillion debt. You're right. It's a problem. There's a however here. The inflation right now, current inflation, is actually more due to labor shortages because people are not working compared to the Fed and our debt. That inc- that's included, but it looks extra bad now because of labor and people not working. So it looks extra bad. If that changes, people go back to work, it won't look as terrible. It will still be terrible, but it won't look as terrible. And if we can begin to turn things around, we can stop the bleeding. And you guys know me. I'm all about stopping the bleeding first, right? Stop the bleeding first. What, what's the old uh, first aid, right? Start the, start the breathing. Well, we are still breathing. Stop the bleeding. Protect the wound. Treat for shock. Yes, I still remember my, my first aid for my Marine Corps days. I still do, right? So we're still breathing. Next thing, stop the bleeding, right? Let's stop the bleeding. And then we can fix it. Right now, we're still bleeding. And you're right. At one point, you bleed so much, it's done. You're right. I agree. But I, th- I don't think we're there yet. I guess is my point. I don't think we're there yet. All right. Now, I went to Iraq, and I went to Saudi Arabia. Last one I want to go to, Ethiopia. Yep, Ethiopia. Ethiopia is next to Eritrea. Eritrea was in a civil war for a, for a bunch of time, and then finally they got their stuff kind of squared away. And then they were fighting in Ethiopia. And then... I, I think it's the president of Ethiopia. I've actually forgotten the president's name too. I got to get better at these president's names. I've forgotten the president's name there. He won a, a Nobel Peace Prize. And the prize he, he won was because he was able to negotiate a peace deal with the Eritreans. So peace deal. You're awesome. He then said, great. Thank you so much for being my allies. Now, can I use your forces now to quell my own country? So he's now using the Eritrean forces of allied with them to attack the Tigray people who were in Ethiopia, who used to be part of the ruling class. And he was like, I don't want you to be ruling class anymore. So I'm going to bring these foreigners in to come on in and take you out. And that's the current civil war in Ethiopia. That's been going on for a while now. Maybe a year? No, not a year. Six months, maybe? I don't remember exactly. A while. It's going on for a bit. So that war's been going on. And what's the comment that I made there? Hmm. Don't we have... Sanctions against him? Oh, yeah. Eritrea. Yeah. All of these countries that are violent, that are fighting, that are dictators, that are making havoc in the world, we have sanctions on. And hold on, I actually have a list here. I can find my list. Yeah. This is a list that I got from, ooh, I think it might be State Department. I forgot where I got it from. Might be Wikipedia, to tell you the truth. I don't even remember. Um, this is 29 countries that the U.S. has embargoes against. Afghanistan, Belarus, Burundi, Central African Republic, China, uh, Ivory Coast, Crimea, Cuba, Cyprus, Democratic Republic of Congo, Eritrea, Haiti, Iran, Iraq, Kyrgyzstan, Laos, Lebanon, uh, Liberia, Libya, Myanmar, North Korea, Palestine, Russia, Rwanda, Somalia, 
South Sudan, Sri Lanka, Sudan, Syria, Venezuela, Yemen, and Zimbabwe. Because that'll teach them. Why are we doing this? And Cuba and North Korea have been forever. Still, we do it. I, I don't know why. All we're doing is making things worse. If you think I'm right, awesome. If you think I'm wrong, take the world's smallest political quiz. See how libertarian you are. Maybe you are. By the way, tomorrow I will be on Spotify's Green Room. For those of you who want to be on that, it's a call in. It's basically, it's like Clubhouse, but easier to get on. Anybody can get on. Just go on whenever you want. Check out the app. It's the Green Room app from Spotify. You can get a call in. I'm going to be talking um, tomorrow. Uh, So if you want to call in, you can chat with me on the phone, and it will be a podcast that will go on Patreon afterwards. If you want to listen to the podcast later, it will be on Patreon. If you want to join Patreon, you can. Patreon.com slash Sharpway. As of this week and next week, we'll be getting out specifically uh, content just for Patreon. So if you want to get on that, please feel free. Ten bucks. You're in. Dirt cheap. You can you can support the show that way. But no matter what, always like, comment, share. You can join any of my pieces, my uh, my uh, pages. Please do so. It helps me tremendously. Let me grab a couple more comments if I can. All right. Um, let's see if I can do this. Let's see. Um, the Saudis are our ally thanks to OPEC. Oh, yeah. That's kind of true. I would agree with that. <laughs> they kind of are. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Nothing better than your favorite beverage, a spliff of your favorite onion. Yes, yes, onion strain. That's correct. Yes, onions. Absolutely onions. Yes, 100%. So where was I going with talking about all these issues? You're going to hear a lot of people come up with reasons, and they're going to use their own ideology to say that's the reason why there's problems in Cuba, why there's problems in South uh, Africa, whatever. And I'm doing the same thing to be forward. My ideology is we should be non-interventionalism. We should not be isolationist. I am not an isolationist at all, but we should be non-interventionalist. We should not be fighting in people's civil wars. And if you noticed, almost all of these countries that we're up against, that we're invading or, or involved with, almost all of them are fighting civil wars. Now, I would ask you, what country stepped in and with us in our civil war? That would be no country. They said, let's have our civil war. Some countries don't have civil wars. And that's okay. I don't think Canada had one. I can't remember Canada having one. Mexico's had a couple. I don't think, or maybe, I know civil wars. They fought colonial wars. I don't know if they were called them civil wars. But um, Canada hasn't had one. Okay. You go, you create your country the way you need to create your country. That's what matters. I don't decide, except in America, because I'm American. I can decide that. The rest, I don't, right? That, that's the issue. I don't. So anyway, that, my, that was my point. We have two ongoing wars across the, the, the globe right now that are affecting us, that are affecting everybody. Our silly war on terror and our silly war on drugs. I say the word silly because there's no other word I can use to describe it. it it's just so bad. They're not working. They're hurtful. People are literally dying because of them. People's lives are ruined because of not just here, but across the world. And they're not even working. Terror hasn't gone away. Drugs haven't gone away. They don't work. They're expensive. And they hurt and kill and maim people, not only in America, but across the globe. So what I would ask you, when people try to tell you, the reason why this country is because of global warming or this person's because socialism doesn't work or this person because dictators are bad or this one because racism or this one because insert thing here. Here's why it's actually worse, whatever it is. America's bad foreign policy. War on drugs. War on terror. They need to end. That's a problem. All right, Brian says, depends on what civil war you mean. What we call the Revolutionary War was a civil war from English point of view. France helped us with that one. It's a valid point, right? If you look at our Revolutionary War, they did, yes. And uh, here's what I would ask you to consider, if you would. One, the Americans who were fighting the Civil War against the British, 
First off, we wanted French help. We actively asked for French help. That's number one. That isn't enough, but that's one, right? We did. And the French did. What happened to France after they helped us? Yeah, they had their own revolution. They had Napoleon. Europe was in flames. Do you think, looking back, if they had a choice, would they have actually wanted to help us? Maybe not. I'm glad they did. I'm not saying they should. I'm glad they did. I am very glad they helped us. But two things. One, we actively asked them to come help us. That's number one. Number two, what happened to them afterwards? I'm not sure their elites, when they were going to the guillotine, would have thought it was such a good idea that they helped us, right? It sounded a good idea at the time. I'm worried we're going to do the same thing. Because number one, most of these countries are not asking us. Some do here or there, but most don't. Most don't ask us to come in. We just go in. That's number one. Number two, what happens to us as we keep stretching ourselves like the French did? What happens to us as a nation? Do we destabilize ourselves? France got destabilized, taken by a dictator, and then there was a, a, a the, I guess what somebody would call maybe the First World War. Maybe, would you call that? Would you call the Napoleonic Wars the First World War? Maybe you could. I mean, it was a global war for sure. So it started the first global war. Is this really what we wanted? Your point's a good one, but please hear my point also. It doesn't mean, one again, we asked, it doesn't mean it was the right thing for the country who did it. It helped us, right? Look at the, the, the thing you hear about um, um, many European countries. They say, we love the Marshall Plan after World War II. Thank you so much for the Marshall Plan, for helping us out. America, great. American internationalism works. Well, for those countries, it did. They wanted it. They asked for it. We gave them tons of money. Life's good. What did it do for us? It made us a global empire. It fed the military-industrial complex. It made us an wartime footage for the next 80 years. Was it really good for us? Was the Marshall Plan really good for us? Maybe, but I could see lots of downsides to even the Marshall Plan for us at the end. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe 100 years from now, we'll go back and go, wow, no downsides for that one, Larry. You were totally off on that. Or even 20 years from now, you were totally off on that. Okay, maybe. But it put us in, the Marshall Plan is what put us into a Cold War, right? It put us into the Cold War. Is that a good thing in the long run? Maybe. I mean, if you ask the rest of the world, would they think so? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't really know. That's my issue, right? That's my piece. I, I'm unsure that's true. So, yes. Anyway. All right. Let me keep going down the piece if I can. Uh, Grace says 2372. Yeah. Thank you, Grace. That's military deaths in Afghanistan. I thought it was about 2,500. I was close. I couldn't remember exactly what it was. I knew at one point it was over like 22, 23. I remember at one point it was that. I assumed it was around 2,500. So, yeah. So, I was almost there. And about, if I remember about, there were, last time I checked, about 21, 22,000 um, wounded in Afghanistan, that area. I'm assuming now about 25,000 now is my assumption. But it, last time I remember checking, about 21,000, if I remember my, if, I'm, if my numbers are right. And when last time I checked, it was about 5,000 dead, 4,900, I think, out of Iraq, and like 32,000 wounded. I think that's the right numbers that I had. I don't remember. I I, I should probably check that stuff. But I didn't think it was that important, so I didn't check my numbers. I probably should have. Thank you, Grace, for checking on me, making sure I, I got my numbers right. So, yes. Um, Logic says, aren't we already kind of in a Cold War? We are. We are currently in Cold War II, as I call it. Cold War I, as I've mentioned in the past, Cold War I was the U.S. and its European allies against the Soviet Union as senior partner and China, communist China, as a junior partner. Right. So most of our big the, the big scare that was mutual sure destruction was nuclear. That was the big scare that would destroy everything was nuclear. And that's what kind of kept us not from fighting against the Russians straight on. We fought proxy wars against their junior partner, which is um, China. We fought proxy wars and we fought a little bit of proxy war against Russia directly in Afghanistan. So we fought proxy wars in, in Korea, in Vietnam. So we fought proxy wars against them you know, throughout the Cold War. And the normal way of fighting was actually through espionage. Um, the advantage, we had an advantage in both. We had an advantage in nuclear weapons because in the beginning of the Cold War, we were the only ones who had nuclear weapons. 
they didn't yet. They eventually had them, and then we always had advantage. So in the mutual destruction, we always had advantage. In espionage, we had a decent advantage, but it wasn't great. We had learned a lot uh, in World War II by trying to spy on Germans and the Japanese. So we had a lot of practice. We were decent in espionage. Now we're in Cold War II. Cold War II, <clears throat> our enemies have swapped, and we've kind of lost many of our European allies. So it's much more us alone with kind of European allies. They're not as aggressive anymore as they were at all. And now it's swapped. China is now senior partner. And Russia now, not Soviet Union, is now junior partner. So our biggest fight is against China right now. And the mutual sure destruction part is not nuclear anymore. That's not even a threat anymore. It's cyber. And cyber can devastate each one. And they're testing their cyber attacks on us almost every day. Our cyber is garbage. I know people will tell, tell you that, oh, we have good, we, our cyber is garbage compared to the Chinese and the Russians. Ours is terrible. Uh, why would they be beating us up so badly if our cyber was so powerful? It isn't. Our cyber is not strong. Why? We spend our time invading Afghanistan and b- buying new tanks and planes when we should be spending our time uh, preparing ourselves for cyber attacks and cyber defense. We're bad at this. So the mutual sword destruction is not nuke anymore. Now it's cyber, and we're at disadvantage. And the battle now is not espionage. It's the market. It's economic. And we're losing that one. And now the proxy wars tend to be more against Russia than against China. And we're fighting proxy wars now in, in many places like Yemen, uh, Syria. So we're fighting proxy wars now against the Russians. So we are in Cold War II. Cold War II is not looking good for us right now. We, we had advantage of Cold War I off the bat. It looked like we were going to win Cold War I almost the entire time. We really were, were winning Cold War I. Cold War II, we are not doing well. It's not looking good for us right now. Can we turn around? Yes. If we stop with this other unnecessary stuff and focus on the critical aspects, right? Like we did in Cold War One, uh, we focused on nuclear and espionage. Now we got to focus on cyber and economics. Those are the two. Focus on those two. We can win this war. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. How will we know? Same way we knew with Russia. Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union collapsed, what was over? And we did what we always do poorly. We lost the peace. We won the war and lost the peace. Once the Soviet Union fell, we should have immediately been like, you know what? Let's make this work. We can do this. Let's be buds. Let's be friends. Let's fix this. We could have done it. We didn't. We said, good, you're kicked down. Ha ha, we won. Let's get more people into NATO. Let's try to encircle you. Let's make Russia feel as alienated as possible and not bring them in at all. Let's do that instead. And they acted accordingly, and now they're still our enemy. We lost the peace, and we should have won the peace. So Grace says 20,000. Ooh, I'm off. I thought it was 25,000. Thank you for that, Grace. Uh, So 20,000 injured in Afghanistan, about 2,400 killed in Afghanistan. So my numbers are off by a bit. Thank you for checking me. I appreciate that. Yes. Logic says, cyber Cold War. Exactly what I was thinking. And maybe if an argument can be made, a Cold War base in destroying the U.S. economy. That was another point, right? Cyber and economics. You're exactly correct. We're in the same spot. And you can see they're testing the cyber attacks now on us. Pipelines, large companies, things of that sort. And the thing is, they actually don't want to use it to be forward with you. They want to blackmail us. They really want to blackmail us. Ransomware is the thing. They want to ransomware us completely. That's what I think. So that, that's, my, that's my piece. Joe says, end all war. I'm with you. Yes, absolutely. Brandon says, what legitimate threat should the U.S. prepare uh, for from countries like China? Cyber, cyber, and more cyber. Cyber. Remember, it is a whole lot. <laughs> what value would China have if, say, China invaded California and took over Silicon Valley, as an example? Think about how much value they have doing that. How much money, time, and energy, manpower, blood, and soil, and blood and soil. Look where I went. Um, blood, they would have to pay for that for that soil. How much treasure they, they spend for that soil to grab that land. How much they would spend for what they get for it. By the time they'd grab it, most of the intellectual property there would be gone. Right? Moved someplace else, out of there, whatever the case may be. But imagine they could simply cyber attack and just take on intellectual property. Why invade? Seriously. Why invade? And if you invade California, you have to hold it against an American counterattack. If you just take, take it onto a property, done. Done. 
So the real attacks we have to worry about are cyber. Those are the big deals, the most important things. That's the critical piece right there, more than anything. That's the biggest piece. Um, I'm not that afraid of nuclear weapons at all because anyone nukes us gets destroyed, right? And they know that. It is a death sentence. It's a suicide note. But take a bunch of IP and then make it look like it's somebody else and blah, 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 blah. You'll get away with that. What, are you going to sanction us? Great. Then they shut our money down. A cyber attack can shut our money down. Or shut down our, um, you saw it, shut our pipelines down. Or shut our grids down. That's what I'm worried about, Brandon. Cyber is the thing. And we are not paying attention at all. We're laughing at it. Thinking about other stupid stuff that makes no sense whatsoever. We're, we're fighting culture wars. I don't know why. So, yes. Um, the U.S. should be able to ace his cyber cold war. Should be. But we're not. Because we're worried more about what we see on Facebook than anything else. Yes. I believe that. Um, the skill sets are available, Susan. They are, but they're not being put in the right spot. They're not being focused. They're being focused on other things. So, yeah. Um, Grace says, it feels like we are still living with the ghost of the Civil War and here we're looking to save everyone else. Yes, because in the Civil War also, we lost the peace. The Union won the war and lost the peace. Same thing. It's who we are. We win wars and lose pieces. Joe puts up the Patreon piece. Thank you, Joe. Yes, if you want to, please. Patreon.com slash Sharpway. That's that's for Sharpway. And the other one he puts up is LarrySharp.com. That is separate. That is for my campaign. So those of you who want me to campaign and run again, that's how you would support me politically. Sharpway uh, Patreon is how you support the show itself. They're two separate entities. Uh, Please do what you feel is appropriate. I'm happy either way if you want to assist, but they are two separate entities for two separate things. Brian says, true, France only helped us because they hated England. Wouldn't do anything to screw with it. That's just true. It was, it was their own reasons for doing it, right? And to, to be forward, to talk about what Nate was talking about, we do it for our interests also, right? But we're not doing it because, you know, we love democracy. Because when we do it, we don't actually install democracy. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's true. By the way, I said I'm going to be on tomorrow night on Green Room, Spotify's Green Room. I will also be on tonight. 9 p.m. I will be here Eastern, and I won't be on this show, though. I will be on Paul's to the Wall podcast. It will be on YouTube, Paul's to the Wall Live. If you want to see me there, we're going to be talking specifically about libertarian messaging and things like that they want me to talk about. That's what we're going to be on. So, guys, do me a favor. Like, comment, and share. I ask you all the time. Please do so. Please share the world's smallest local quiz. It does matter. It's so important. It keeps my sponsors happy. If you want to help me, you can support me yourself. Patreon.com slash Sharpway. 10 bucks a month gets you in. And we're going to start having some Patreon-only content this week or next week. Next week, I'm going to be in South Dakota. I'm going to be at the um, at Freedom Fest. I have about two or three speaking gigs there. And I'll have a booth. And I'll be giving away a marketing piece to my book. My book on happiness will be coming out next month. It is going to be on um, available for pre-order this month. And I'm giving the first four chapters away. I forgot how many chapters I have. 16? Is that right? 15? Something like that. I forgot how many chapters I have. I'm giving the first four chapters away um, at Freedom Fest. So if you're there, only 300 copies of the first four chapters will be going away. Otherwise, you can pre-order this month. I will let you know when. Check it out at sharpway.com. Click that link for the link tree in the description. All the goodies are right there. All right? Guys, going to have to cut it short now because I'll be on again at 9. I will see you all hopefully at nine if you'll be on. It's Paul's to the Wall YouTube page. Or I'll see you all tomorrow. Listen to you all, Green Room, and then I'll see you on Friday. Have a great night.